Welcome to Wax Half Full, episode 16. Today, we're coming with you, coming to you with uh, new intro music. Thanks to Ads, who has talents I did not know about. Ads, talk about this new intro music. Let's talk about it. I made it. I wrote it. I said we can use it. I don't think it's good, but I don't think anything is good in life. So, you know, that's how it goes. Oh, come on. This podcast is good. Dude. Or is it? It's unironically bad. It's, I don't know what which one we are. We are ironically bad or unironically bad. So are you know. saying it's so bad it's good or it's uh, yeah? That's so- that's what I'm going for. That's what I really go for in life. That someone yeah. recognizes that I'm being ironically a bad human being. You really have to like. I don't know. I don't know if we're over the so bad it's bad hill yet because that's a hard hill to get over. A lot of a lot of uh, content dies on that hill before it reaches the so bad it's good zone. I've committed my life to do, reaching that zone, so I think we can do it. All right. And today we have a special guest. I don't know what our guest cadence was supposed to be when we started. We did. We started doing every other week, and then we just fucked it up arbitrarily. But today we have a guest. We have Sheep from the Discord. Sheep, introduce yourself. Tell people as much as you want. Tell, assume that this won't be consumed by just the Discord, and introduce yourself. Hello, I am uh, Sheep. I live in New York. Um, I think my most relevant position on this podcast is I drink with wax and every now and then. Um, I think that's, uh, we can start there and, and go from there. Yes. One of my one of my only COVID meetings was the, the Corona party with Sheep for uh, for New Year's. This, I small you corona- expose yourself like that. I, as I a mean, good human being, did none of that. And I did no Corona parties. I thought you said you drank like too much tequila and you you, you Okay, wait, 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 wait. Yes, that happened. But yes. How many I, people I live were in you Australia, at? so like we had we have no COVID. It's all good. That's that, that's true. Your numbers are better. How many how many people were at your gathering? Uh, six, maybe. Oh, hey, hey, fuck you! Our gathering was like five, so it's clearly we're. Oh, that's are, including the people now. who live there. Like, if we don't count those people, then it's less. Why do you, you, no? You gotta count those people. Don't yeah, you wait. Know? Those are those are people too. Like, <laughs> don't you don't know? stop being people. But they don't count for the limit. You guys don't understand, right? So there's a limit of people that can come to your house because we actually have laws that try and save lives. Yeah, we so have laws too. We have laws too. We just don't listen to them. We, we just, yeah, we just yeah. break them. That's all. Well, you can have up to five guests at the time. Now you can have up to 30 or whatever it is. And we did yeah. not pass that. We only had four guests or they had four guests. I was one of them. I drank too much and I vomited all New Year's Day. It was great. Anyway, anyway I'm going to deeply regret once the pandemic is over that it's like Sheep was, was one of the only people I, I broke my... Uh, my lockdown rules for i've been a model citizen outside getting free alcohol from sheep alas okay but we are very responsible about it you know we're like we enforced and made people get tested before 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 we made it happen so well you know what test me but it wasn't an anal (laughs) test hey hey let me get the transition there okay okay okay. no because like I mean, we, we we did it. So all the people who went to your uh, your New Year's your small New Year's gathering, I don't want to call it a party because I like it's just it was a yeah, small that, year. that oversells it. That oversells it. Yeah, it was just it was it a was small a party. Year. There were three hundred people there. No, no masks. <laughs> yeah, it, it was in a, a fucking French aircraft hangar, and, and the cops came around, and we fucking we, we lifted their cars. Whatever. Yeah. No, no. So uh, we, we actually did get uh, everyone who went. Not everyone, but a lot of people went. Got got COVID tests. And we did 
and obviously, uh, like I knew that getting a test doesn't because we knew it's uh, not hundred percent accurate because um, it doesn't catch the virus within the first X days and it doesn't catch the virus within the last X days very well. It's like it's like very good. The nasal swab test, the PCR test, is very good at catching the virus like when it's like raging through your system at its peak, but it's not hundred percent accurate, which is why. Uh, certain Chinese researchers, you know, trying to like bring the virus under better control, develop better measures for detecting the virus, they suggested anal swaps. And uh, I don't know if there's much peer research that's going around that's saying this is uh, effective or not. But I thought Australia does this thing too. Australia, like you guys go through people's shit in the sewage plants to find out how, how COVID's going. Don't you guys do that? Oh, that. Yeah, we do that. But I, th- I thought you were going to say we go through people's shit as in their assholes. But we don't, we no, don't no, do that but- one. No, but that that's proof that uh, anal swabbing is is it, it yeah, works. Yeah, but nothing's nothing's come, nothing's come out of that other than shit. Nothing's <laughs> come, nothing's come out of it. Like they just say, "Ooh, this suburb might have COVID," but like, yeah, okay. I'm just saying, if the Australian government, as at odds as it is, it is with uh, China, can resort can come to the same conclusion, poop is a good way of detecting COVID in people. I'm just I'm just saying, it, it seems to be you know, East and West can agree. I mean, poop is uh, poop is used to detect a lot of things, right? Yeah. It has like a pretty pretty good track record, a lot of precedents, so it doesn't seem totally crazy. Yeah. You never you never had to shit in a bag for your doctor? No. Wait, you no. had to? You've I, had to? I, I'm not gonna answer that now. Is, is that like a regular part of an Australian physical or something? Said, yeah, no. I've never heard of that. No, 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 I didn't do it, but I've I've had other people say that they've done it. I can't remember what it's for. It had something yeah. to do with like. Not irritable bowel syndrome, but something similar to that. Yeah, I can, I can see for certain. Feces, um, <laughs> sample, feces sample. It's called a stool sample. I think that's the uh, common uh, medical term. Hey, hey you don't know what you call in Australia. Hey, hey, don't don't presume. Don't don't. I'm pretty sure it's a stool sample as well, but you I think feces sample sounds better. You and your American imperialism, just like imposing upon other people. Come on. <laughs> All right. I, I, Oh, we brought this up because this is just to, you know, we're, we're responsible podcasters, so we follow up on news stories. So I think like five episodes ago, we talked about how China was introducing these anal swap tests just to be more accurate, to test people more accurately for COVID. And uh, it's been a it's been a small international row. Um, the USA and Japan have complained saying that, hey, stop swabbing our uh, our, our nationals, to, you know, save that for the, for the Chinese citizens. And you know, I don't, I don't, I don't know how I feel about it. You know, well, right? But like the the response then was to say, okay, we're not going to swap your nationals. We're going to swap all nationals. Like that, that is the that is the response. I agree with that, man. It's uh, gotta stay safe. It's equality. It's equal treatment. It seems what? very, uh, very fair. All they should, I, all they should, what they should do is though, they should tell people, hey, if you're going to enter China, you may get an anal swab and let them. Like, you can't spring it on them. That that's that's kind of. That, that that that's kind of a kind of a low kind of. I don't untrue. know. If you go into any place that's asking for anal swabs, you should be an informed person about where, <laughs> or about whose hands are going where in your ass. Uh, personally, I think that. Now, I'm not t- trying to say. Wait, do you not know how swab works? The hand doesn't go anywhere. Yeah. Uh, that's what I was going to ask. Like, <laughs> how deep are we talking? All right. Have you gotten an Have you gotten a nasal uh, COVID test? Yeah. I did. Have you gotten? Yeah, so just assume that and they're taking the Q-tip and they're, and they're sticking it up your bum instead. Yeah. Oh, it's still a Q-tip. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, okay. Yes. What did you right, think cool, it was? Cool. <laughs> I don't know, man. What's I don't didn't know what um, appliance would be used. <laughs> <All> <laughs> right, the right. rectal area of all the right, body. 
I don't want to assume here. I'm not a doctor, clearly, since I didn't know what a stool sample was. That's that's true, but uh, yeah, so, you know. But no, nah, no, nah, they they gotta tell you. They 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 gotta tell you before you enter the country that hey, if you if you want to come into our country, we may anal swap test you. But after that, I, I think it's fair to do it to everyone. That, that it's your country, it's your rules. Yeah, I think we we have to wait for the real drama to occur, which is when League of Legends Worlds occurs and League <laughs> of Legends players must go through this to go to Worlds. Man. I feel like this is a little. Oh my God. Like maybe this is me being a boomer Korean, but I, but I think vaguely remember back in the day, like getting rectal thermometers was not that uncommon. And maybe maybe it's changed as like it is still the most effective, accurate one. Accurate yeah, one. No, it's most. It is most so, accurate. So one. we've just shown that the asshole is a, is a beautiful thing in the science world, and that we should no longer demonize the asshole. Instead, we yeah. should, you know, take it in hand in hand. I mean, and everyone should be doing asshole examinations. I mean, I mean COVID maybe, tests. Maybe it's the other way around. Maybe it's that we people have have, no, have learned how precious it is, and they're too, and they're overprotective. They're being overprotective of the asshole. No, I, I'm not sure. Right. I, I think we should free the asshole. All right. Uh, I, I see a message from producer Keith. He has gone AFK. <laughs> yeah, that, right. that's good. He said that quite some time ago, I believe. Yeah, we don't actually Theater check. What happens in the chat? Theater of the mind. Theater of the mind. Okay. Uh, let's, go on, let's go on to our next topic. And um, I guess this will help us get to know a sheep better. Well, this is how I perceive sheep. Um, he's... Wow, what, should, what, should, what should I say? He likes literature a lot, but he wants to let you know that he's better at liking literature than you. Would you say that's, would you say that's accurate? I don't think it's important that you know that. I think it just comes out naturally. <laughs> okay, okay. The way you said that was enough. I think you don't need to expand right. on it. All right. So, um, ads. What's what's our next topic? On that note, what is our next topic? Are we going to do the Murakami one? Like, which one of our topics leads to literature besides that one? Is it? I don't know, Yaku- man. Is it the well, Yakuza? Like, okay. uh, like uh, so. harvesting sea cucumbers, or is it like which one is it, man? <laughs> the, you, I'm just picking shit out of a bottle right now. And, you mm. know, that shit may or may not contain COVID. All right. Um, so, yeah. Haruki Murakami, Sheep's favorite author, apparently. I don't know if that's true. Gets a Uniqlo t-shirt collab. <laughs> Uniqlo is killing it with the collabs, by the way, these days. I feel like they're doing way more. Or maybe now I'm just more aware of it. And, yeah, so they're making a t-shirt collab with Haruki Murakami. Is he actually your favorite author? No, that was, that was like heavy, heavy sarcasm. Okay. <laughs> Shape, explain explain your relationship with the with the Murakami san. Yeah, so Murakami is like very interesting, right? So like to explain my relationship with uh I can't believe you actually said Murakami san. I, I find that uh I find that very grating. But um it's not about Murakami per se. It's more you about saw. actually a dis general distaste of American literature. And I've always long held the position that Murakami is more of a American author writing under a Japanese name and just happens to be writing in Japanese because like I, I don't know if you, either of you have actually read any Murakami yeah. like uh, the subject matter is like very shall I say westernized so to speak I mean the, the guy is a huge uh, you know the guy's a huge uh, America file is, is that the is that the word what's the what's the proper term for somebody who likes America that's not reverse weep 
Amerifrancophile. No, <laughs> what? Fucking, I don't know. <laughs> what? Yeah, what? Because if you if you like if you like French, oh wait, is Francophile a person who speaks French? I forget. No, someone who likes France. Okay. French-related things. Okay, so I'm just gonna call him Americophile. Yeah, but like fine. America, you gotta yeah, so pronounce it that way. Westaboo. West. A Westaboo. <laughs> I, I think that's a very good term. Like, like Americophile no, is basically a Westaboo. No, that, no, that's my view. Wait, wait, Westaboo though. That's like a little bit encompassing because because Japanese do like France a lot. It doesn't necessarily mean they like America. Like. The West is pretty broad, as much as we like to make it a monolith. Yeah, but you know, if you're if you're like not in quote unquote the West, the West might as well be a monolith, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like the the further you are to something, the more you know things kind of blur together, right? Like, right. like you you think there's like a huge difference between Texas and Boston? I think like someone in Japan might not even know where those places are. So okay, so sorry, so keep going on with your point with about Murakami uh, being a, a West taboo. No, like again, so like Murakami is like a, a, a Japanese author who writes a lot about subject matters and themes that, for whatever reason, appeal really strongly to an international. And by international, I really I mean American uh, Anglophone audience, right? Like Murakami's stature as a literary figure is probably much larger in America than it is in Japan. He is kind of viewed as a no. He's not really viewed. I mean, he's like he's one of those like weird borderline authors where like. Are you like a pop culture figure? Are you like a serious literature guy? It's kind of it's kind of debatable. It's kind of on the fence, right? Whereas like in the in the West, he's like this easily marketable, foreign, exotic, serious literature guy who just happens to write about, I don't know, twentieth century America, jazz bars, whiskeys, and cats. So yeah, so he's everything uh, I love in my life. Yeah. <laughs> hey hey hey! Everything sheep loves. Hey sheep loves whiskey, jazz. He bars, hates jazz. No, he hates jazz. He likes jazz bars. He he definitely likes jazz oh, bars. He likes jazz bars, but not jazz. Pre pre pandemic, I've definitely gone to gone with him to a jazz bar, and uh, I was the one saying, "Let's not." I, I fucking hate jazz bars. Let's not go here. And she was like, "No, no, no, no. We, we should go here." But maybe I only like it because of how much you insisted you didn't want to go. Have you ever thought about that? Might have been the underlying motivation. Wow, that's very very sadistic of you. Although that's not surprising because because you do like cats. Do, do jazz bars have like cigars in America? Like, like, no, like supposed to be. No, they're like distinct. I mean, I mean, there's there's overlap, but in general, they're distinct concepts. Like one does not necessitate the other. Okay. Although so not... you guys have like cigar bars as well. Yes, U.S. has okay. cigar bars, but they are not popular. Oh, they're not. Okay, I thought they'd be yeah. more popular in the U.S. Hookah bars are popular these days, but I don't. Yeah, hookah about... bars are popular in Sydney as well. I'm probably the only one in in our friend in in my friend group here that that actually goes with them. So, wait. This is a tangent, and I don't want to go off from Murakami too much, but this is a brief tangent. Are hookah bars like a very non-white thing in Australia too, or is it, or is that different there? There are the white versions of it in white mm-hmm. dominant places, but they're mm-hmm. also like just more like Arab or like you know, I guess you call them wog like locations. But most of those won't serve alcohol, but there are places that serve alcohol as well. Okay. Right. There are just some like... that just serve like sweets mm-hmm. and like non-alcoholic drinks and. You smoke. Okay. That's pretty much it. But they're, right, pretty popular. they're massive, yeah. Okay, that's just a. I was wondering, like, culturally, how that works. Because in America, like, they're like oddly, oddly black, which is like, I, I mean, disproportionately black, I should say, than compared to the rest of the population. And and I found that odd, or found that curious, I should say. I I found it com- like quite insane. I was like quite crazy how many hookah bars there are in Japan as well. Are they? Oh shit! They're massive, cool. man. 
I bet they're fucking good there too. I bet they I bet they only use the good charcoal there. It was pretty good. I went there. Yeah, pretty I, good. And they had um the one I went to was in Akihabara and they had a they, they had um questionable manga, aka porn manga. Nah. For you to peruse as you were drinking, playing uh arcade games and reading porn manga it was great and smoking god i went to one in korea and it was, it was like so fucking crap like they use like the shitty coals that have the chemical aftertaste like is, not... it a, is it a very recent phenomenon in korea i feel like that tends to be the case right or like the first batch of whatever thing tends to be pretty pretty like disappointing execution yeah, probably. I mean, it was in a ex- it was like in a more expat area, so it was probably made for expats, and they and they that that's why if you're the only who could bar around, then you get away with being shit. And then once right. it gets more popular, you know, you have to like you know right. catch up catch up in quality. Anyway, so, yeah, this is a weird uh, tangent. Well, but back back to sheep's though. Wait, Tomura Kami sounds like you. Like he goes to jazz bars and he has uh you know um, cured octopus legs, and he has some nice whiskey. And uh, what else? Oh, he ha- he has a he has a cute fluffy cat at home. I mean, so I don't you know. hate Murakami because he is you. Well, so why don't you read about it though? If I can live that life, right? Like mm. I, I don't know. I, I think I think a lot of the popularity of Murakami is said, right? He's like an American author who happens to be writing in Japanese and has a Japanese name, right? It's like the it's like this. He's like situated between the exotic and the familiar, but like what's underlying is actually it's actually pretty fairly accessible and easy to read. You know, it's like. The themes he writes about are pretty safe. You know, it's like urban, upper middle class, young professionals, yuppies, dealing with kind of like run-of-the-mill urban Inui, social insecurity, anxiety, alienation, that kind of thing. Like, if he wasn't writing in Japanese with a Japanese name set, quote-unquote, in Japan, I don't think his audience would have had nearly as much of like a, you know, rapturous reception to, oh. his, uh, to his work. That, that's, that's, that's my thesis. I, I don't know if there's anything I can prove it, but that is my thesis. And there are people out there who agree with this. So. Okay, so, so you don't think he's like bad per se. You just think he's benefiting from exoticism that other people have put upon him, not necessarily he's exploiting himself. Yeah, I think that's true. But I mean, I think as, as his career went on, I'm sure he's leaned into it. I would be surprised if he didn't. Ah, that, that's, hard. that's hard to like... like uh... I don't like to accuse any minority selling themselves in, my, in you know, selling their product in America of that. Like everyone, like sort of. Wax, there was a whole podcast two weeks ago when you were shitting on people who make food and say that the reason <laughs> they make food is because they're depressed that people hated their lunches when they were Wax is old. perfectly willing no, to be no, charitable. No. Wax is willing to be charitable as long as it's not about a topic that interests or matters to him. No, 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 no. He- no, yeah. no, yes, that's <laughs> no, you, for, you forgot the conclusion. The, the conclusion, the conclusion was that people who had these legitimate experiences, like that, we, we're not like denying them those experiences, that's their life, and that those are real. We were blaming the uh, the, the producers and the editors and the consumers for only for over representing these like weird trauma, not not weird, but you know, over representing these like assimilation trauma stories at the expense of any other story. You know, it came out to the correct conclusion. You so know, you're blame, saying, I blame don't the man. Want... Yes. Okay. Uh, so the conclusion is, I'm sorry if you're offended, but yada, yada, yada. Is that, okay. is that the conclusion? I, I know the joke you're trying to make, but that's actually not it at all. <laughs> that's actually not, that's actually not the conclusion at all, but I appreciate you trying to make the joke. All right. But back to this, the way you say it now makes sense because almost all of these sh- shirts, by the way, the whole thing is there. I made sh- that oh, yeah, we, shirts. Oh, yeah, we're talking about shirts, right? <laughs> yeah, it's actually not about books; it's about shirts. 
But right. look, we just need the shirts as a way in. Uh, yeah. Is that almost all the shirts are entirely in English except for one shirt? So that like like they're probably leaning more into like a Western audience to buying these shirts, right? Yeah, I wonder. I mean, I don't know. Like, are Unicode collaborations mostly global simultaneous releases, or is this like a regional release? Like, does they this are... release take this in Japan? That that's the question. It usually does come out in Japan. The way I only know how this works in in this is in Japan though. This is the releases in Japan. I don't know when it's going to come out in the in uh, the okay. West, but um, the way yeah, it works yeah. in Sydney is in Australia is you have to wait six months because Japan and Australia are on different release schedules because we're spring when they're in autumn, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I mean, they release on, on, shirts in spring for us. I mean, going on to the last topic, uh, like when Uniqlo releases their like their manga, their manga sort of. Uh, like collaboration things, they do like to put in like the manga pains with the Japanese dialogue, like just straight up because you know, like, you know, Western audiences they they, they like that stuff. They like yeah. you know, like, like anime characters with like random Japanese in the frame. Right. So they're selling. They're selling to their audience. Right, and yeah, because like because like Asians like random English in their frames too. Like, come on, like it's. I, I don't think we need yeah, to no, be no, no. Do that. Exactly. Uh, I know that. People like exotic goods, and you know, like liking exotic goods is not inherently a bad thing. It's but it's just, different you know, to say that and then have like an entire quote from the book in English. You know what I mean? Yeah. Most of these have like quotes directly from the book in English. I will say though, the graphics, like the words aside and the subject matter aside, I think the graphics are actually kind of cute. But I mean, it, it, they're like simple, cute graphic tees. I would say it's the. There's uh, a few the that I like. Yeah, it's the subject matters a bit. And... I like the Murakami Radio one. That one's my Wait. favorite one. Wait, we didn't get to, we didn't get to ask you ads. Like, so do you like Murakami? Like, uh, yeah, yeah, fan of his work? Okay, I've read a few of his stuff. Which which one? One of his books. I read Norwegian Wood. What's okay. the cat one called? I forgot it. Kafka. When you say what the cat one is called, literally, like oh, I was so in nine out of ten of his books have like a cat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's a stupid one. But Kafka on the shore, yeah, yeah on that the one shore. I read. That one I liked a lot. Yeah. Kafka's the Kafka on the shore is probably the one that has the most like direct cat characters. So. Yeah, no, that's that's true. That's I have the guy who talks to cats, man. That was, that was really good. I like okay. that one. Yeah. But I will yeah. say though, the uh, the Unicode T-shirt collaborations, it, it seems like they've getting they've been getting more frequent. And I don't know if this is like a misperception. That's what I was gonna say. Because because yeah, it's not like I get all of them or look close at all of them. But I feel like the quality has gone like downhill, right? They it, it started going from like woven graphics and words into basically like printed on. Mm. printed on graphics that wash off after like three or four washes i mean maybe not that extreme but you know the point is i think it's getting more frequent and more mass reduced oh it's, it's not even the quality of the prints it's just like it's definitely a quantity over quality thing in terms of like the collabs they do they just like throw every collab out there in case hey do you like brand then you like our shirts they just like try to partner with every brand yeah, it's like a, it's like a funko pop but like on a shirt yeah like, the goal yeah. is like whatever IP or thing you're, or fandom you're a part of, you can find a Unicode collaboration for it in like five years. Yeah. Like, like some of them are like good just because they make so many of them, but a lot of them are crap. Like I remember the one that like I, I thought was like, man, this is just emblematic of like how crap this is, is the, the Blizzard collab, which is they, they got a bunch of like, like they didn't make anything remember. original. Like Blizzard I just handled my friend crying about it. Yeah. Uh, the Blizzard one. <laughs> yeah. He was like, this is shit. Yeah, because yeah, because like basically Blizzard just handed them over, like, hey, here's a bunch of like random like concept arts. Put yeah, them on like express assets, basically some logos. I <laughs> just put yeah. them on, and it was just like fucking garbage. Yeah. Like there was no creative like transformation whatsoever. They was just like, yeah, people like games, don't they? Right. 
People so like from that me. perspective, like this Mirakami collection, and I say this again, who I think I made it clear, I don't actually like Mirakami at all. And as, as someone who doesn't like Mirakami, actually this collaboration is like, you know, seems to have more effort and more design elements put into it than most of the Unicode collaborations. Yeah, it's 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 a try-hard one. This is more try-hard than other ones. For, for sure. sure. For sure. The Norwegian wood one is, is good. It would be better. I can't tell if it is, but I bet it's probably not. If it was, um, what do you call it? When it's actually like woven into it, fuck, my brain turned off. Yeah, like, woven, like we did. When the text, no, when the, like when the text is woven instead of just screen printed, it has a name, but anyways. Yeah, that, like it was actually woven into it instead of being a screen print, which it probably is a screen print. The green one with the Norwegian wood red in like, written in like red, orange, I don't know what to call it, like right. a dark orange. Dark red, that looks pretty good. I would wait, I would buy that shit. Probably will mm-hmm. buy that shit. That one looks good. I would buy that. And I would buy the Murakami Radio one because there's a cat and he's at a desk and I like cats. And and the last thing I'll say on Unicode Collections is uh, the last time I got a Unicode collaboration shirt was from the uh, Evangelion series. That's the the only time I felt really compelled to get something. Yeah, but that's also because they did some transformation. Like they used the assets and they're like, hey, how can we make this a cool shirt? Like they actually tried. Right. They actually actually, did some design instead of just putting it on. Right. No, I see what you mean. I gotta ask you though, uh, don't you? Doesn't it feel like a little bit weird showing your fandom for a book through a T-shirt? It's for for an author through a T-shirt. Like, would you buy this for like Joyce or something like that? But they would never make this for Joyce because there'd be no market for it, right? What like, is Mirakami's the type of author that this works for? Like, there are people who thinks it's cool and fashionable and literary to wear a Mirakami T-shirt. I don't I'm, think there I'm are gonna many screen people. print a James Joyce uh, shirt and I'm gonna sell it to you, Shape. Okay. You'd have to, you'd have to read Ulysses first, and you really don't want to do that. <laughs> and if you and if you don't, and you lie to me and say you did, oh no. <laughs> yes, I've read a bit uh, of it, but yeah. Oh man, I I read like twenty pages, and I'm like, fuck this shit. Like, like I, this is not for uh, not for the faint of heart. It's so Maybe, good. It's so read good. it. You have to like. I I read like a couple chapters of it for uni, and like you're reading it, but you also have about fourteen other chapters open. To understand half of the shit, to like research everything in it. Just, to, just to like remind everyone if who has who didn't know, I think Sheep goes to like a like a meeting. What is it? You go to like a meeting where you read like a, a page of Joyce and you talk about it for an hour, right? It's a book club. It's a book club. We read one book. All right, that's what you call it—a book club. And it's only one book. So wait, wait, you only read. <laughs> no, no, no. But but it's like because it's Joyce, they, it's it's pretentious as fuck. Like a, like a regular book club would be like, okay, read like three two chapters. And we'll talk about the two chapters. This one was like they read a page. Yeah, we read a page of Finnegan's Wake. Uh, a page of Finnegan's Wake every uh, every couple of weeks. Really, it's more like one and a half to two pages. But... A page, a fucking page, and you talk about like the fucking literary meaning of every word and all this shit. <laughs> and... I don't know. I'm gonna buy the Norwegian wood Haruki Murakami shirt personally. I may buy the 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 blue one. What was the blue one? The light blue one, just because the color is nice, and I don't really have any colors. Uh, you you should like. I just want to say, like, we're, we're talking about these shirts as if people can see them as we're working through an audio-only medium. So, so this is quality podcasting. This is yeah. This is our... They don't need to know. They just need to know that I like it, and that's just, yeah, that's, what's that's important. Just, yeah, that, that's the point. This is a, this is how we try to break through the threshold of so bad it's bad and so bad it's good. You know, just yeah. just, talk, just talk about visual themes without actually <laughs> describing any of them. I can't even buy this for another six months anyways. 
Because okay. like, it's kind of useless. Because you live in a third world country. Mm. Yes. No, I live in a country that has different seasons to the Northern Hemisphere. Not a yes. third world country. Mm. All right. Let's, let's move on to our next topic. So one, one of Sheep's great loves is literature. Another one of his great loves, I don't know if I should call it a love, but one of his great uh, topics of interest is video games, which which is very, I don't know. I don't know if it's strange or natural because I, I, um, I know Sheep because we both used to play StarCraft back in the day. That's like, that's my introduction to him. But the thing, and somehow, correction, correction. We both used to watch StarCraft back in the day. Oh, that's true. I, I played it. I played it for a little bit. She probably only watched it. And um, casual. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, she ended up becoming like an analyst for some kind of. What are the correct technical terms? Because like I'm gonna I'm gonna fuck it up. An I, I, I'm an analyst. I, I, I'm an investment analyst who looks at video game investments specifically. The investment analyst is the primary job description. The video games part is just happens to be a sub specification. Okay. So there's nothing like talking to sheep that like reminds me that I'm not actually like uh what I don't know what what these gaming companies were consider like a real gamer, you know, because because what I, what I do is I play ten year old or twenty year old games and I actually don't buy anything new. Ads. What's the what's the latest game you played? What like? What's the latest you're, game? You're you're the same boat, right? Because like you still you still just play League of Legends. Like, do you actually play any other like games? Like, I play Apex. Oh, you do? Okay. Yeah, yeah. My, I, I play a few games that my friends play because none of my friends play League of Legends anymore. Uh, so okay. I have played League of Legends alone, and then yeah. my friends tell me to play other games. I I open up my Steam library right now. I was playing Spellbreak, which is a new like battle royale, but it's like spells and st- as well. Mm-hmm. It was good for about the three hours that I played it and then never played it again. I play that. I play that. I play CSGO sometimes, but that's kind of rare. And yeah. I play Rocket League. And oh, that's okay, also kind of cool. rare. Right. And then, like, there's random games that come up. Like, what was that, Um, like, that horror game that came out and then had a bit of hype? Uh, Phasmophobia. Dead oh, uh, by Daylight. Nope. Yeah. I pl- sorry? Oh, I, th- I, th- I thought you meant, like, Dead by Daylight, the chase game. Uh, my friends are playing that. I played for about five minutes, then I refunded it. All right. All right. Yeah, so so cheap. Like, our, our consumption habits, we don't really buy new games. We just, like, continuously play cheap or completely free multiplayer games over and over. Like, what's what's our place in the market? Like, like are, are we just, like, non-entities? Well, see, that's the thing. Like, when you say, like, you are not the gamer, I think, like, it, it really depends on who you ask, right? Like, the what, what you usually conjure up when not to like extremely online people like us if you talk to like a like real normal people when you say gamer they probably think of i don't know some like high school guy high school kid who plays like fortnite or like call of duty or something like that well like, someone who actually bought a next-gen console because neither of us did like you're the only one who actually has a console and that's like partially due to like have uh, at least partially do the work for you at least yeah no that's definitely true but like i'm also very much not in like the core gamer demographic right i'm not the person who buys a call of duty or a fifa every year and just place it on consoles, right? Like that's like what a gamer is, or that's what a lot of people think of when they think of a gamer. But from like a purely like I don't know, like audience perspective, like I don't know, the fifty-year-old mom who like plays Candy Crush on her phone for thirty minutes a day is just as, if not more, valuable than the guy who bought a PS Five and the next-gen Call of Duty on day one. Hmm. So and, and, and like and there's like a big push, and I don't know if it's for business purposes or whatever but like you know these big 
gaming companies like Activision Blizzard, they have like this big push to kind of normalize the idea that the gaming audience is huge and they include all these mobile gamers, female audiences who play Candy Crush, right? I mean, it's, it's in their interest to maybe push a narrative because they own the franchise and they do very well in it. But I would say people in the industry and gamers and fake gamers like you and as or whatever you want to call yourselves, they all have like very different definitions of like what a gamer is. But like, and again, again, at the very broad definition, like pretty much everybody plays a game. It's just, is it a real game, right? Like is Candy Crush a real game? I think different people have different answers to that. Well, my, my, my question would be, um, it, it behooves companies to tell prospective investors, hey, everyone's a gamer to try to like present to the people as if this population of gamers is as big as possible. And that's right. more of, of like getting investment, but I'm trying, but when they look at it themselves, trying to like, like maximize their own revenues, I really wonder how they break down their consumers in terms into different demographic groups. So like, you know, the, the 50 year old, whatever 50 year old, you know, woman who plays candy crush, does she ever buy, you know, like, like, like a transact, like a microtransaction? I don't know what percent of them do. So I'm just so yeah. There, there is definitely incentive for them to try to present the gamer base as big as possible. But I often wonder, like internally, like like how are they viewing like their actual valuable customers? No, I, th- I think I think they truly believe it. That when they say that everyone's a gamer, maybe they're being a little bit, you know, obfuscatory, or they kind of like you know, elides elides some of the details. But I think they truly believe that when they say it in general. And I think like the results already show it, right? I think most people have some vague awareness that mobile gaming is by far the most profitable segment of gaming. And it's really the only one that sees significant growth. Like console and PC gaming, yeah, it grows, it chugs along, but it's the market's saturated or close to saturation, whereas mobile gaming is the only one that's really growing. And mobile gaming, right, definitely falls into the everybody's a gamer type of rhetoric. Yeah, well, like, you got most people, like, you know, the whole thing with, like, NA versus you know, Korea or China is the whole thing of like, well, NA has a console, like predominantly console-based gaming society, whereas Korea has like a focus on net cafes or PC bungs or whatever. But everywhere has phones, you know what I mean? Like when I'm teaching, back in the pure hype Fortnite days, every kid's playing Fortnite on their phone. It's just way more accessible to have a phone than it is to have a computer and like people who have a computer don't just have a computer as well. Whereas there are a lot of people who have just phones and that's all they have. But if you're and a PC gamer, like, you got to buy a PS5, you got to buy a phone because you got to talk to people. And there are people like with PCs, like laptops who don't play games on them, right? Like a lot of laptops, like a MacBook or whatever, they're not designed for gaming and people don't use them. I gamed, I gamed on my MacBook yeah, but again, you know, when we talked about this, you're the you and Wax, you guys are the unique rare specimens. I'm a rare, well, I'm worth more, I'm a valuable. Yeah, if I, we're talking about Pokemon cards here. I'm a valuable <laughs> Pokemon card, I'm first gen, you know. Oh, no, 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 Wax, no I mean, wait, wait, Wax is first gen, fuck the boomer. No, I'm no, like well, the third gen well, that no one gives a fuck about anymore. I, I, I just frame it that way because whenever I see like these releases coming out and these new announcements, I'm like, oh, like, this is not targeted toward me. Like that, that's that's why I'm framing it that way. Like whenever I see these big announcements, people are hyped about. Like it's rarely anything that I feel like I would ever buy. That that's why like, I feel like, oh, you know, 
I'm not saying I'm marginalized. I just feel like, uh, oh, I'm probably a low value consumer to these companies, and that that's fine. That's fine. I'm not blaming them. It's, yeah, that's just how but, it is. I mean, I mean, I think a lot of it comes down to the fact that like people still tend to think of ah uh, to use Wax's favorite terminology. People think of gaming as like a monolith in this in a in a way that's different from how people think of music or movies. Right? Like if you tell somebody. I listen to music, or I watch movies, or I like TV. They don't automatically assume that you watch every new movie or listens to every new album that comes out. Some people do, but that's not the default assumption. Whereas for gaming, I think there is still whether consciously or subconsciously that sort of assumption that gaming is a monolith and every every new game is targeted to every gamer. Right. In, in a way that's different from saying every movie is ex- every moviegoer is expected to watch every new movie, right? There's right. not that kind of expectation. There's an expectation. There's that expectation external or internal. I think some of it's an internal focus from video games. I think like what do you mean? people get angry if they see a game. Like, like you know when like PlayStation or whatever, or I guess Xbox is as well, a PlayStation will make like one of those, they call the PlayStation like first looks. They, call, they have a special name for the PlayStation first look. What do they call it? What? Um, PlayStation what? When they do like those first look video, like these. Oh, uh, state of play. PlayStation is yeah. state of play. State of play. Like when they do that, and then they show some indie game, and everyone's just fucking crying, like, where, where this indie game that I don't want to play? Where are the good games? Was, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? So I think people expect, like, even the video game players themselves expect games that they believe to have a wide appeal should be the almost should be the only games that should be made. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's certainly possible. I mean, I think, I mean, that that's just like larger phenomena, right? Where people tend to identify themselves based on what they consume, right? So I think that's, I think that stretches beyond gaming, but certainly it's maybe more pronounced in gaming because people who watch state of plays tend to be more terminally online and vocal about it. Yeah. Well, yeah. At, at, from the point of view of like guys who have who have played League of Legends for ten plus years, and for me, it was played StarCraft for like twenty plus years. Um, what's the future for competitive multiplayer? Do you think? Because I feel like, uh, like, so, so, so for so, hmm? you so play StarCraft? I played StarCraft. Nice. Yeah, Wait, I streamed. The, I streamed the uh, <laughs> one or two. I, I streamed two. Well, yeah, yeah. I'm not a real StarCraft player. My bad. I, I like how he, I like how he sounded so ashamed when he said two. He sounded like this meek, <laughs> quiet voice. You're, like you're, he knew Wax was gonna judge him for it. You're so, you're so young, and you still know to be you still know to be ashamed. God, the boomers have done their work well. But what I mean by I played it, I mean I played the uh, the tutorial, and I got bored, and then I closed the game. I think I still haven't installed it on my computer. Probably do because it's on Battle.net. But but yeah, to, to go back to the, my question, I guess like th- does the success of Fortnite and Call of Duty and these kind of games basically ensure that competitive multiplayer is a genre that'll always be focused on? It? Like they'll it'll always get funding. It'll always be people will try to make AAA versions of these games forever. Well, not forever, but at least for the near future. I I, th- I think that's true. I think from especially from like a business perspective, I think everybody in that sphere kind of has Netflix or like Facebook envy where. A lot of gaming executives or gaming business leaders will want to not, they'll pitch themselves as gaming. They'll also pitch the, as we talked about, everybody's a gamer. But they also really want to pitch that gaming is not just games, that it's a social platform, it's like a social connection. And mm-hmm. from that perspective, right, then yes, they will lean very heavily into, continue to lean very heavily into this multiplayer aspect. I think for a good 
portion of the last five or 10 years. I think the competitive multiplayer aspect was the one that was most obvious and intuitive for people to try to try to develop into. I think more recently, it's becoming more mainstream or more acceptable to actually you know, view gaming as sort of a social network or like an avenue for social connection. So in that regard, it doesn't have to be competitive multiplayer, but it has to be social multiplayer, right? Like Fortnite is, yeah, just Fortnite esports, but there's also people who just hang out in Fortnite. And I think as gamers would love to, the gaming and industry what's... guys would love to, would love to spin this narrative, right? Like, okay, kids used to hang out after school at the mall and now they hang out after school on Fortnite. And, you know, I guess that's kind of like what they want to pitch the future of gaming is. Like, again, it's a social platform. So basically, the future of gaming is VR chat, but everybody is in VR chat. Kind of, yeah, I guess. Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, I feel like we're probably too old for this. Like, we're not the right demographic, and we're also too young to have kids in this demographic. But, like, Roblox is probably one of the most exciting or most talked about developments in the gaming space in quite some time. Could you, could you like, just, like, give me, like, a, like um, a very quick overview of Roblox for a boomer who has no fucking idea what it is? Right, so, like, when Roblox first started, people just go, like, oh, it's, like, a Minecraft knockoff. That's kind of, like, what it started as or what people kind of perceived it as. What so that's, it, a, that's, a, that's what the mechanics are. It's a, it's a Minecraft knockoff. Very originally, not so much now. Like, now it's basically a development suite where you and I, like, individual users, can go and basically make our own little mini-games on the Roblox platform. They call them experiences. They're actually very particular with their terminology. Like, they try to downplay the gaming aspect and try to make it a more of like a social platform aspect. They're UMSs. Experiences. They're UMSs from StarCraft 1. Yeah, exactly. That, that's, okay. that's exactly what it is, and it's on the Roblox platform. And then it's massively popular among, I would say, historically, maybe 9 to 13 was, like, one of their core demographics. It has expanded beyond that. I think right now it's about roughly 50, 50, under 13 and over 13. But, uh, you know, basically so, the so popular that- to tweens to teens demographic is kind of like, again, like these are people we don't really interact with on a day-to-day basis and we don't have kids in that age range, but that's like the next big thing for them. And as they grow up at 10 years from now, when they're our age or whatever, it's very possible that, you know, they it's more natural and normal for them to, uh, to, you know, to use gaming as like a social platform. I mean, and that's, that's the hope. They're so popular that this is, that's why I know about Roblox is because uh, Skitter previous guest, Skit, previous guest Skitter, his sister, who's like nine, I think stole their parents' credit card number to buy Roblox money. Yes, that happens. How 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 old is his sister? Like, uh, is she in that like kind of like sweet zone demographic for for? Robert? Yeah, no, yeah, she's like nine or ten. I just remember. Yes, like, the, the, yeah. the story is she overheard them like saying their credit card number over the phone for some delivery thing, I guess, and she just like wrote it down. That's how that's how I'm assuming this crime happened, and she uses to buy herself like Roblox bucks. So that's how I that's that's the first time I ever heard about Roblox. Not, not first time, but like that's how I knew it was I relevant. Talk about it a fair bit, but. Uh... I know that it's like some sort of thing like Minecraft. Other than that, no, no clue. But again, I, th- I think it's, the, it's like Minecraft. Again, I'll emphasize like the it's like Minecraft perception was maybe true early in its life cycle. That's like a very outdated perception at this point. But that's how like again, a lot of people still hold hold that same view that you do. They, they when they think of Roblox, all they know is like it's kind of like Minecraft. Even though again, that's very outdated at this point. So, so what is it now? What is it? So Fortnite, it's inevitable that now it becomes what an MMO. The expansion becomes like 
Like, I'm not even kidding. Like, what like what does it become? I think Fortnite, I mean, Fortnite has a bit of this whole user-generated content aspect to it, but I think Fortnite's, like, leaning very heavily into just a venue, so yeah. to speak, right? Like, right. They, they host concerts, they do well, collaborations with, like, exactly. Star Wars, with Marvel. It's, it's like a venue, almost, for, like, they, brands they or other IPs to come in. Yeah. Like, but they don't. Um, but they don't have. A, oh, sorry, sorry. They don't have like a shared overworld, though. Like, they don't want no, well, limited, limited, limited. I guess a little bit. You can you can join one. So, I don't know. Like, so maybe the end game for them is to like make it more of like this, this uh, a, a, their own pseudo social network. Is it that's what you're saying? That's like maybe something they're thinking about. I think that's what I think most a lot of these large popular franchises games. Like again, to be clear, no. At, at their core, they're still very much the traditional sense of the word video games. But the ones with large user bases all have ambitions to try to somehow leverage that to go beyond traditional gaming. Because oh, so, kind of think that's the, uh, that's so they, the are, they are they are all actually like actively thinking about this. This is yeah. something they have in their minds. Like we, we can be like the social network for like teenagers or yeah. Teenagers I mean, or... I don't think it's like back in their mind. Yeah, no, this is like this is oh, okay. a lot. They spend a lot of time thinking about and how to how to realize that. And I mean, again, this is there's gonna be a lot of companies existing, maybe new startups to try to do something like this. I think this is seems seems to be the next big thing. But so then again, we we thought VR was the next big thing like five years ago, and we all know how that panned out. So we'll see. But VR needed so much tech. Like v, v, the promise for VR isn't that. Like the promise for VR isn't that VR is good enough. It's that VR will be good enough. You know what I mean? That's it, it doesn't look, maybe maybe these yeah. two are just just aspects of the same trend, right? Like I, I think the word that's the popular buzzword right now that people are already tired of is metaverse. That's the it, it kind of has an element of VR in it, or like a little bit of element of like I don't know, Ready Player One aspect mm-hmm. to it. That's the that's the current buzzword of the of the month. Yeah, if you do make something like that, I, I feel like everything for a game like the one you're describing. Like there are games that are similar or moving towards that can be already done with the technology that is here now, and that is like, what do you want to call it? Trickled, trickling down to the lowest common denominator, which is what you need. Like the reason why a game like Fortnite is so popular, or what now it's probably not at its peak anymore, but when it was at its peak, is the fact that this kid who plays on their phone is just as valuable as the person who plays on their PC, who's just as valuable as the person who plays on their Xbox. Like. Platform, you know, what do you want to call it? Agnostic, uh, agnostic introduction of all platforms wasn't really seen as something. I, I, th- I, like there have been examples other than Fortnite. Like Minecraft is the obvious one before that, and probably Roblox as well. But when Minecraft released its iPad app, like that was a massive deal when Minecraft had the iPad app come out. Like I remember my brother bought it; it cost like fifteen bucks, and you have to buy it on the computer. And that kind of stuff. So I think like the difference between VR and this stuff is that there's no need for like an uptake of new technology. There's no need for technology to get better. But the technology already exists. Right. No. So uh, if, if it does fail, then the failure isn't because the technology didn't become widespread enough. It's that it just wasn't good. Yeah, no, I think I think that's certainly fair, right? I mean, to the Minecraft thing, right? Back then multi-platform was the word. And then recently I think cross-platform is a new standard. Yeah. And then I guess in the near, probably very near future, we're going to go from multi-platform to cross-platform to basically pure platform agnosticism, as you said. It's like, yeah. it doesn't really matter what you're connecting to because all devices will more or less have a similar capability. 
And I will say though, that the Fortnite examples are interesting just because Fortnite was so big, they were able to push this whole cross-platform thing in a big way. Other companies have tried it in various ways, but have always hit roadblocks. And one of the big roadblocks is uh, Microsoft and Sony because they have these PlayStation and Xbox ecosystems that they want to protect, right? They're the incumbents, so they don't they don't want to open it up. And mm-hmm. Epic kind of like forced Sony's hand to uh, make Fortnite cross crossplay compatible between PlayStation and PC and mobile phones. And well, Sony's was, Sony's yeah. like yeah, well yeah. known for being very anti, like uh, any platform. Like with their their uh, computers, they had the whole um, they were the one pushing for different. What was the Blu-ray? What was the opposite of Blu-ray? It was Blu-ray Sony? I forget who it was. Blu-ray was Sony, but then there was another one. And Sony's had those SD card formats that they've made that only work with Sony computer, uh, Sony uh, cameras. Like they've always been on that grind of having are like you, some uh, DVD. Are, are you, okay, I was thinking of the uh, the older the older example, the Boomer example is the Betamax. Yeah, is that the VHS? That's the, that's the Boomer Sony example. Is that yeah. the VHS opposite? It is. It is. Yeah. VHS. Producer Keith, give, tell us about HD DVD and the uh, its ill-fated demise. Um, I mean, that's not something I can talk about off the top of my head. That's like old history at this point. Ah, okay, sorry. But but Blu-ray, I, no, I, I, I'm I, pretty I, sure Blu-ray yeah. was one. Blu-ray won because Sony put it in their PS4 or PS3. Did PS3 have Blu-ray? I think it's PS3. I could be wrong, but I think it's PS3. Fuck, Blu-ray's been around oh, for a while. Yeah. yeah, that's pretty much why Blu-ray won. I was just trying Please. to give I was just trying to give like producer Keith an in into the conversation, but okay, never mind, guys. Never mind. I mean, I never mind. Do, I can do a whole thing on HD DVD versus Blu-ray, but like only off the top of my head if this was like ten years ago. Can you give us like a best hits for <laughs> uh, well I mean basically Blu-ray had more advantages and it was more widespread due to the PS3 and it got other companies uh, signed on with it, which is, I mean, that's basically how these things always go. Is whoever gets the actual adoption is the one that's going to survive. So it's the opposite of the VHS Betamax. The the better tech actually won. Yeah, it did. He had like most, like he could store more data. There's some <laughs> random stuff yeah. that I remember. We don't actually know, by the way, because like none of us are actually alive for the Betamax situation. We just know by reputation that Betamax was the superior technology. We have no idea if that was actually true. I don't know, but, but like, hey, 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 people writing in those days, like, they, they weren't morons. Like, like people, like, who were, like, writing tech specs back in the days, like, the reviewers, like, they they had some idea. Come on. I mean, it's probably right. Like, I have no reason to disbelieve them. I'm just saying, right. all, all we know is secondhand. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. But, but like, secondhand knowledge, like, the experts of the time said, yeah, this is a better tech, but whatever. In any case, let's move on. Our next topic is sea cucumbers all right whatever i guess that is what it is so apparently it's been a trend in japan lately according to zora news the source for many of our topics it's like we that sea cucumber demand in china is so high that the yakuza in japan like they've changed their business uh focuses from extortion and racketeering and all these kind of things to just literally being what we call them they're fishermen now like the, the yakuza have been like reduced to being fishermen who just like who poach sea cucumbers from the seas of japan and send them to china because that's more profitable than running pachinko shops and uh extorting shops i guess 
So the solution to not being able to make more pachinko shops is to be a scuba diving gangster. Yeah, exactly. It's like, oh man, like it's like, hey, you, you can either like fucking like rough up a local merchant and say, hey, give me my production money, or you can run illegal gambling, or you can run a pachinko shop, or you can just like actually buy scuba gear and go to the ocean and like fucking harvest, harvest sea cucumbers, like. I don't know. I feel. I feel like if like if if Az went to Japan and Az was like, "Hey, I'm going to join the Yakuza," and he was thinking, "Okay, I'm going to get into this like rough and tumble life. I'm going to use my uh, my weightlifting skills." I, I just want him... my life as the Yakuza to be the Yakuza video game, where I'm an no, honorable they... Yakuza. You know? No, I, that's I, what I, I mean. Honor. Like, at least there you fight people, but they're like, "No, just just put on this scuba suit, this wetsuit." And go I, I don't think it. I can be a scuba diver though. I, I have oh. asthma. I'm pretty sure you die if you have asthma and you do scuba diving. Something okay. like that. Is that a thing? Is that uh, not a thing? I was told when I went to... I don't know. When I went... Um, when did I go? It was in like high school. We went to the Great Barrier Reef. And I was told because I have asthma, I couldn't do the scuba diving thing. I'm sure it's a real thing. Maybe like majors didn't like you. They want to exclude you. And they found what the fuck? Don't ruin my childhood like that, man. Everyone else did scuba diving. By, by by the way, why is this illegal? So so is is there like why is it why do they have to smuggle these? Is it because you need a permit to harvest these in Japan? Like what what what's the reason? I'm sure there is a reason. Let's find out the reason because I it, definitely it, read this stuff. No no no. I, I read the article and like I really couldn't find out like why this is illegal. Like why did the yakuza have to like go in the dead of the night and like hide from the uh, the coast guard to harvest these things? Like are they I'm sure there's like a limit on like anything that you get. There's a limit of how much you can harvest and where you can harvest etc etc is it because like they're not paying like the proper toll to the japanese like i don't know yeah like, maybe it's just like a smuggling kind of thing maybe they're like evading ta- export taxes or something I, I i don't know i just think it's fucking hilarious that the yakuza is basically doing like a legitimate industry thing thing it's like oh you know what like fucking like like threatening people for protection money that, what you're that, saying that... pachinkos aren't a legitimate business i played no, in the but... pachinko for two hours lost X amount of money, had no idea what I was doing. I don't think I won anything, and then I went home. But I got to see a cute anime video while I was pressing the buttons, and they were glowing and stuff. Wait, wait, I, I, I gotta ask, I gotta ask. When you say I lost X amount of money, were you saying X because you really didn't remember how much? Or was it like a deliberate, I don't want to admit how much money I lost by inflicting <laughs> I'm pretty sure I lost like a couple hundred. Dollars. Or, like, or yeah, yen. Or yen. Dollars. But like it was in the end, so like it's not real money, so you don't actually know. Uh, exactly. And also, like it was like the like last couple of days of the trip, and I wasn't coming home with money, so like I needed to spend some money. That's how that's how they get you. No, yeah, no, but yeah, I feel like. And I think it was yeah. a re-zero pachinko parlor as well, so you got to see re-zero videos. But I've never watched the anime, so like it didn't really matter. But it was cool. I, I just feel like it's hilarious that like the like, yakuza who. They're basically just doing commercial fishing as as their business, but I mean, it's like, commercial, right? They have like these like a few, handful of guys in the middle of the night, like scooping up sea cucumbers by hand. That's not commercial fishing. Commercial it's, it's, fishing is like a giant dragnet dragging the ocean, scraping the ocean floor. It's so what you're saying is this is fishing, better for the environment. They're hand picking. I, I, I just don't. I just don't know why it's like illegal though. Is it like because they're endangered? Is does it like wreck the ecosystem? Like why? Why do they regulate this way? I have no idea. What are sea cucumbers? Are they actually sea? Like are they living things? I assume they are. 
Uh, she, she explained. She, she the 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 China man explained this thing. God, what? No, it's not that was, China yeah, man. Like, it's yeah, she's it's... the person who knows about biology. Explain. Oh my god! All right, explain no. biologist. They are, they are they are animals. They are animals. So, so first and foremost, uh, taxonomically, they are animals. They are specifically they are echinoderms. So think like starfish. They're like the same broad type of creature as starfish. Okay. And would you would you poach a starfish? No, so you shouldn't poach a sea cucumber. It's because oh, starfish, starfish. People also eat starfish. Just they, they do throw it out there. Yeah, no, that's a. Oh, that's they do. I think it's a Mediterranean thing, actually. I don't know. I I don't eat any fish, so oh, or, this... or sea things. But but anyway, yeah, I see weed. Wait, I eat seaweed. Fuck, I just. Yeah, yeah. Then. You also eat fish and chips. So, sorry, sheep go out. So, explain the col- keep explaining the culinary value of, of sea cucumbers. Yeah. So the thing is, like, I'm not actually sure why people love sea cucumbers so much. I mean, like, right? You get like these like common narratives about how oh, people like them because they think they have health reasons or whatever. I'm not. I have no idea if that's like the original reason. Like, I don't know if people started eating them because it tasted good or because people, for whatever reason, thought they were medicinal. Have you ever okay. eaten sea cucumber? I have, I have, I have. Um, yeah, is it good? Yeah. I think that's it's good, but that's also because I eat basically everything that comes out of the ocean. So, like, it's okay. not like I have a specific love of sea cucumber. So if you were to compare it to something that most people would eat, what would you compare it to? Oh, what is the, what would I compare it to? Um, it's very gelatinous, I would say. Yeah. It's very, it, very, it's, it has no flavor. It has no, it has no inherent flavor. It, it's more it's of a very, texture thing. Like, people like the texture more than, uh, I would say maybe call it. Ooh. What do you do? Like dip it in sauce or something? Uh, most people like boil it or put it in soup or they braise it. So it's like a okay. cooked thing. It's not, like, it's not like a raw thing. But yeah. I think the texture would, I guess, maybe similar somewhat to maybe raw squid or maybe the thicker kinds of raw octopus. But like, okay. uh, but uh, yeah, but sea cucumber maintains that texture even though it w- when it's cooked. Um, yeah, yeah, it's it's like gelatin with like more firmness. And really doesn't have it doesn't have much intrinsic. It has like a little bit intrinsic flavor that's kind of um, like oceany. It's kind of like oceany, yeah. but really, it's it's more about like what kind of sauce you put around it. It has not much inher- like inherent flavor. Yeah, I would I would I would say that's fair. I think it has a little bit of flavor, but yeah. and, so, and that's like the thing with a lot of like culinary, right? Like I think texture as like a culinary trait is not as prominent in Western cuisine as it is in Eastern cuisine. I mean, obviously it matters, but I would say like in Eastern cuisine, it tends to be a very distinct, very prominent trait that has a lot of primary consideration when like considering cooking a dish. Could I, could I like ask you about that? Because I feel like that's something that I hear about as like a stereotype. And it's one of those things where I don't know if it's like how real it is and how stereotype it is. It's one of those things that could make, maybe it's actually a hundred percent real and there's no stereotype at all. Because that's what you hear about a lot about Chinese food. Like their their Chinese food is very focused on not just taste but texture. So that's why you know swallowsness is a thing. That's why sea cucumber is a thing. That's why um, you know like woodier mushrooms are a thing. People like this kind of like this gelatinous texture. Yeah, people like crunchy gelatinous stuff for whatever reason. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you know, like woodier mushrooms is like a good example of like something that's not expensive. Like woodier mushrooms, I feel like aren't 
not particular. I don't, I don't like them at all, to be honest. But they're like they're they're prevalent in Chinese cuisine because I guess people like this gelatinous texture. I think bamboo is another example of like something that's prized. It has a taste, has a very strong taste in some yeah, places, no, but I, also also the texture is like pretty distinct. Hmm. No, I, I like bamboo because it tastes good. But like I feel like some of these other things, like swallow's nest, shark's fin, um, you know, oh jellyfish, like these things are like. I don't really get them. Like I, I, I eat them if they if they serve to me, but I don't really get, I don't really get it. But maybe maybe the more class conscious description is that it's not because of a cultural notion of taste versus texture. It's just because like Asian people were really poor and they just had to eat anything they could eat to stay alive. Maybe that maybe that's how it is. Oh, or is it the other way around? Like did these used to be like a royal cuisine and now they're available with everyone? Could could is that, could that be the case? I don't. I'm not like a. I don't very... know. I don't. I don't know the culinary history here. Because like I don't know like how like Chinese culinary history works. I know that at least in like Korean culinary history, there are some dishes that have like that aren't that good, but they get some cachet in the modern day because people say, "Hey, oh, this is what used to be what kings used to eat, so this is like naturally good." And in real life, we're like, "Yeah, it's 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 nice, it's okay." Well, the, the common American example is the opposite way, right? Where lobster used to be a prisoner's poor people food, and then yeah, it lost. That's the uh, that's the common Western mm-hmm. reverse. I did not know that. Yeah, no, there was. A, I, I think I, I don't think it's like as I think that's the simplified version. I think the origin was something like there was a law or regulation about like inhumane treatment of prisoners in like 17th or 18th century Maine or northeastern U.S. Something like that that talked about how like you couldn't feed prisoners too much lobster. Yes, and, like it kind of kind of went from there. I see. Well, I think one thing I want to point out from this article is the, the final paragraph of this article where it says, it, it seems all someone would have to do is to start a good old-fashioned fake news campaign declaring that ground-up cockroaches cure erectile dysfunction, then slip in a few YouTube videos with that Matrix red pill music in the background and a hashtag, why do you think they're called cockroaches, hashtag. And before you know it, demand will be so big, you'll have Yakuza goons going from building to building robbing homes and businesses of their cockroaches everyone's a winner so what i'm trying to say is here is we need to somehow start up some sort of internet campaign and make something that we have a lot of or that we can get access to a lot of popular so that we can sell it to make money because clearly this podcasting isn't making me enough money to buy a webcam nor a uh, nor a Murakami shirt, or may, or maybe you can uh, you can afford a Murakami shirt, but not I the can, one. I can get a Murakami shirt. Okay, so you, you're smart. in that like awkward middle middle point between the two. I see. Yeah, I don't know. Personally, I'm not gonna have a cucumber in my life. I was never a fan of seafood in general. Those textures that you're talking about, like those, I just found them weird, and I was like, yeah, I can't stomach this. To, to be clear, my personal adoration of seafood comes from the taste more so than the texture. I always thought I I, I always thought the whole texture argument was kind of eh. Like I never, oh, I mean, I'll eat it, but I never like found a particular attraction to go out of my way to seek out that text, the gelatinous, crunchy texture. That's the same. That's the same thing for me because like 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 sheep of like the Chinese foods that are very texture oriented. Like which are the ones you like legitimately like for taste? For me, it's really only t- beef tendon. It's really only tendon and everything else is like, like, yeah. Um, jellyfish? Nah, I, I could do without it. Shark's fin could do without it. 
Like Zikungabur could do without it. Swallow's Nest could do without it. it. It's really, it's really just like beef tendon is good because tendons taste good. Yeah, I don't. I don't I'm actually not a fan of tendon. Uh, really? Swallows, yeah. Bird's nest soup I don't like because it tends to be sweet, so I don't like that. Okay. Uh, shark fin soup I agree. I can do without the shark fin. It's really just the, the soup. It's the broth that's like tastes really good, and I like the broth. But it, it, you can skip the shark fin for that. Uh, jellyfish I actually like, but now that I think about it. Maybe you can substitute the jellyfish with like woody or mushroom or something. It'd be the same because really you're just eating like the sesame and chili oil. That's yeah, yeah. Exactly. You're having the mustard basically. basically. Yeah, exactly. So the mustard like, flavor. Um, sea cucumber I actually do like because again there is like the whole faint sea element to it. I actually really do like sea cucumber, mm-hmm. but it's hard to buy. And there's like this whole like fake sea cucumber industry where they like oh oh is there okay no, it's like no, this, like, this is massive in china no you, you should take no you should uh move move to the mainland right it's like because <laughs> sea cucumber is like most people don't really know like what like a real sea cucumber looks like and it's and it's always so dried right like the vast majority of sea cucumber is so so dried so it, it looks like super weird and i guess there's some set of criteria to how to evaluate like how good a sea cucumber is or whatever but i think apparently you can also like do a lot of low grade sea cucumber or like artificial coloration and then to try to pass it off as like a more ex- expensive variant again i don't know the details it's very complicated but it's it's a thing I'll I leave it at that. so that's why the yakuza are getting this stuff yeah How can maybe, we get, maybe. I, I need to check the laws of sea cucumbers in australia i mean yeah it's it's because there's so much demand in china and like who who knows like we, we really can't tell are there any are there any other cultures that eat sea cucumber besides China? I, apparently, there's a Queensland sea cucumber in fishery, but it's so there are some native species in Australia that you, there's like really strict strict laws around oh, fish in uh, Australia. Hold on, hold on. I'm being informed that Japan actually has a big sea cucumber eating habit too. So maybe it, maybe the yakuza smuggling sea cucumber is not for exports for domestic consumption. Apparently, pickled sea cucumber is like a traditional Japanese dish. Interesting. Interesting. Well, I, well, I, I got well, what else are they going to serve at their dive bars? They need pickled, pickled sea cucumber. I, I, I got to sheep. I got to say, I was surprised that when you told me you like sea squirt, I was very surprised. So that 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 that, that let me know that that was what what let me know you like anything anything from the sea. Yep, pretty much. Sea squirt's like a fucking like I don't know what it, what do you call it. It's like it's a random ass like animal in the sea. That's like I don't know. I don't even know what taxonomical category falls in. They're called tuna cates. Yeah, it's it's basically it tastes like ammonia. It tastes like ammonia, and and sheep likes this stuff. And this is something that like um, it's like a random Korean food delicacy, I would say. And I would put this firmly in the category of things that we used to eat because we didn't have anything better, and now we pretend tastes good. But but sheep actually likes these things. But there, well, there yeah, we they're go. Also called, they're also called sea pineapples. It's a uh, it's like a Korean and northern Japan thing. They're fucking terrible. They're fucking. Yeah, they're, they're like it's like very rubbery, very ammonia flavor, uh, but also like very very like it's not it's not salty, but just like all like a saline type of flavors to it. Oh what yeah, you guys yeah. selling this food seems terrible, and I don't want to eat any of it. <laughs> that's good. No, you 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 you're you're probably right. Okay, ads transition us to a final topic. Of your of your of your choosing, I'm of my right. choosing among this okay. list. Okay, among this list, give me a second. I'm gonna we'll we'll, we'll fill for time. We'll fill for time. Chief, fill for time. Chief, yeah, what's up? How's your cat doing? The cat is uh, the cat's more comfortable than ever these days. 
He's uh, he has like his nice little routine uh, setup. Yeah. yeah, you know, he has a auto feeder, so he's kind of plans his day around it. Usually, he knows when to wake up and wait in front of it. Eats his meals, then basically goes back to sleep. In the mornings, he sleeps. He alternates in his bed and our bed, and then in the afternoons, he sleeps on a variety of chairs and stools and couches around the around the apartment. I was speaking of variety. I I wasn't sure if I was supposed to come. In. No, 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 you you did a good job. You did, sorry, you did a good job. That, that was amazing. I'm I want to talk about this Twitter thread by a culture writer. Okay. Who, oh. I assume culture's website. What is this? Speaking, what is this? Speaking about why men are terrible and have terrible tastes, and horror movies prove it. A writer Ooh. looks at why men in horror movies are so easily dedu- seduced, not deduced, by the undead. <laughs> And culture writer Juliet Bennett Ryler, and it's because we're like so good here. We're gonna even shout out her Twitter at JB Ryler. Spell that thread. <laughs> no, I'm not going to spell that. R Y L A H. Shared a thread looking at a common horror movie trope. In the trope, the male protagonist or other male characters suspend disbelief and flirt with danger due to the seductive powers of the undead. What do you guys think about? I know you guys said you weren't big horror movie fans, but what do you think about the seductive nature of the undead? Well, when we say seductive undead, are we talking about like rotting zombies or like pretty boy vampires, Twilight style, right? Because they're just like a big spectrum. That that's what yeah. I mean. I I feel like this article is like so flawed because it includes vampires, and the entire power of vampires is to be is to be sexy. That that's what vampires do that's like intrinsically a part of their abilities and, and that's not even like a modern thing that was like yeah exactly it was always it, it's not like a modern perversion that's always been their allure so i think what was that movie you referenced the disney one what wax when we discussed this a few like last week oh my god what, 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 this, what the fuck i remember the, it was a disney movie it's the three Fill for time Fill for time. Oh, oh. there's a disney vampire movie or which one? Oh, Hocus Pocus. Hocus, Hocus Pocus. Pocus. Yeah. Hocus Pocus. Uh, yeah. Oh no, no. Yeah. Just, that that's definitely a thing. That's definitely a thing where like witches will like put a glamour over themselves to make themselves more sexy. But I'm saying like I feel like this entire article is a little bit flawed in, in terms of saying like men are fooled when the undead use their special abilities to make themselves sexy explicitly. Like 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 men aren't like dummies who go after rotting corpses like I, I i i don't get the premise of this article like I, I don't really get the premise to be honest no you might have a point but still i think the point is that the undead has been made sexy nowadays yeah no, i no, think no, the concept of the undead is sexy now that's fine i mean like that's that's fine like like uh what is it in, in uh the latest tom cruise the mum tom cruise's the mummy movie the resurrected undead uh mummy uh, girl, she was she was pretty sexy, and she was like undead, but yeah, whatever. So the the point of it though is that reg- it's regardless of circumstances, right? So like you could see a corpse, like you as in if you were the the male character in the in the movie, you would see a like a actual corpse reanimate into a hot chick and then be like, all right, time to hook up. I mean, is that a trope? Like, I don't, I don't really watch horror movies. Is that like a thing? There, there are like, it is a quite a common thing. Yeah. But I think personally, 
that <laughs> if I was in such a situation, I may be so inclined to act in a similar manner. But you if would you... act in that manner in all sorts of situations, not limited to the undead aspect. I don't know, man. Some people might find the undead making it more attractive. I, f- I feel like the writer of this post, uh, J.B. Ryla, J.B.R.Y.L.A.H., like, she admitted later that, oh, wait, no, this actually cuts both ways. Like, like human beings are dumb. Like, w- like, human beings will go after undead monsters who disguise themselves to be sexy. Like, w- human beings are just morons. It's very, very easy to fool us as long as you can make yourself sexy with some sort of magic. Yeah, but that, that, seems, that seems like a pretty trite conclusion. I mean, that's pretty banal, you know, don't you think? Well, uh, well, that's the entire reason why this like, Twitter topic was funny, because like this writer started off writing about it in sort of like, oh, men are dumb. And then she was like, oh, you know what? Humans are dumb. See, <laughs> you guys are talking over here, like, like, Ass just really wanted to talk about the sexy undead, whereas Wax wanted to do, like, media metacriticism. It's, like, two very different, like, topics at, at play here. Wax made me shout out this person's Twitter before pro- succinctly dunking on them. for J-B-R-Y-L-H. Why? I <laughs> repeated it twice, just to make sure everybody knows. Just to make sure everybody knows that Wax... And by the way, Wax is trying to portray himself as a person of the people, like last week, and uh-huh. he lies. Yeah, you, you just we just talked about how you were dunking on people. You're just dunking it and everything, and then you pretend like if I end my sentence with like a final little disclaimer, then my dunking is not so harsh. It's harsh. It yeah. hurts people. This person, J-B-Y-R-Y-L-A-H, <laughs> <laughs> may have their feelings hurt. I'm just going to say that. No, personally, JB R-Y-L-A-H, I find I found your it's not even an article, man. It's a Twitter thread. Like, yeah, I don't yeah. know where you got this article from. It's not an article, it's a Twitter thread. I think oh, we can hold oh, people oh, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a Twitter thread. That, yeah, that yeah. is a lot. Yeah, but like, it's a Twitter thread, man. Like, I'm not expecting some deep analysis here. Yeah, so that's like okay. shower thoughts here, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, like, you can like literally see her, her stream of consciousness in this thread. She, she posts like five threads. Twitter. She posts like five posts. And she's like, "Oh wait, no, actually, no. Humans are stupid." She, 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 she's like, "It's her stream of consciousness. You can, you can literally see it in the thread." Yeah. So uh, I, I apologize, JB Rylh, but um. Wait, wait. So what, what was your point? What was your? Point? I, I have no point now. I've completely forgotten it. <laughs> also, I don't think that she calls anybody stupid. By the way. Yeah, no, I don't think, I don't think no, that was that, that, is, that is Wax's meta analysis. Did I say that? Wha- like, wax- the idea was just looking at something that commonly happens, and that's that, like, male characters often hook up with the undead for whatever reason, um, regardless of circumstances that should tell them that there is immediate danger involved with it. Mm. Wax it's did- not really about them, like, being stupid. Wax, mm. did I write this title or did you write this title? I feel you, like I didn't write this title and then you wrote... You wrote... No, you wrote it. I, I did not... I wrote... I wait, I did not... What? Where did I get this title from? I don't know. Am I the baddie? You, you probably literally copied from Twitter. You probably... You probably literally copied... Uh, no, I copied some of it from Twitter, but the title is not from Twitter. That's why I was confused. No, I, no, I think you said it and it imprinted look, upon look, me. I'm look, blaming look, Wax. Look, 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 look. We, we don't have to be like... The, like we, like, like we, we can unite and say the problem is the undead are bad. The undead are seducing humans. 
this is the core of the problem. Humans should stay united, regardless of gender. The See what I mean, Wax Pipe? In the maybe humans should also stay united regardless of mortality. But no, they're no, no longer no, no. human. Look, we've established this, okay? Once you die, you're no longer human. Did no, we establish no, no. that? I feel like that's no, like, no, 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 that's no, dramatic, but not established. Shape. This is like the one division we're allowed in this in this day and age. Between the dead and the undead. Like, give us this one division. We don't have to be no, united everywhere. No. It, I it refuse. Is 2021. It's all about tearing down boundaries and binaries. Do we, ha- do we actually have to, like, be... Uh, like, 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 uh, like do, un- do undead rights matter? Like, Maybe they do. You tell do, me. Do, uh, I am fully on board with uh, the undead did nothing wrong. Do, do unlice matter? Unlice matter. Wax, wax, wax. In 20 to 30 years, when popular opinion and popular consensus turns the tide do you really want to be the person on record saying undead rights don't matter i mean he already done it he's already he's put many things on record on this allegedly oh, no. oh, allegedly no. on record you didn't have and, to no one forced you to make those comments about the undead and you volunteered it oh this is terrible because like in, in like five years sheep is gonna be a lich and he's just gonna be like ah He's gonna bring up all my records against him. Like, you know what? You know what? Be, be, being a lich does fit you. That 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 is like a pretty good goal for you. I, I used to main lich and Dota. It, it makes sense. <laughs> so in in twenty fifty, the jazz bar where Wax and Sheep will both be listening to our album of the week, music mm-hmm. for saxophone and bass guitar by Sam Gendel and Sam Wilkes. It's a jazz album. It's a really good album. You should listen to it. And in that album as you are listening to it in that jazz bar you will be discussing and wax will have be finally be revealed as an anti undead and wax will die and that will be the end of wax I, after someone do the math here something like wait, wait. nine thousand episodes of wax out full that'll be the wait, end wait. of wax out full wait, wait what, was that your uh, mu- your your music segue yeah it was it was great oh. i think all right i guess i guess that works all right, Sheep. How, how was your time on the podcast? How did you how did you like it? It was good. It's good. I had a great time waxing poetic. Ha ha ha. Was it as was it as um as dumb and as disjointed as you expected it to be? Yeah, more or less. Actually, no, I will say it, it was actually more organized. I think I set my expectations low. That's that's good. Just like you say expectations low for the mood comedy shirts. <laughs> All right. Look, we want people to have low expectations. Ads, that's good. Ads, close us out. Ask people to give us money. Sheep, no, sheep, close us out. Ask people to give us money, and and you give us money too. By the way, <laughs> wait, shouldn't I be getting like a royalty or something for disappearing? No, no, no. You're paying no? for being on the show. What? Are you, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, th- th- thank you for listening for this episode of Wax Half Full. Please do find it in your generous heart to support us, despite Wax's bigoted comments. Look, any undead who wants to support the show, I will. I won't make sure because I don't see hey, the money. Hey, hey. But Keith I'm, I'm, will make sure that Wax I'm, receives no money from the undead community. Guys, I'm pro life. I am pro life. <laughs> oh, God. Co hyphen fee coffee slash dot com slash the jujus. I think there's a dot com in there. Give us money, please. Sheep, do you have anything to plug? No, I, th- I think my, my one segue is uh, I was going to mention if I think we moved topics away. You know, if you want a 
Western author with a Japanese name. I will plug Kazuo Ishiguro, the Nobel Prize laureate in literature, who actually just released his new book, Clara and the Sun. So everybody, go read that. I'm reading Never Let Me Go right now. Amazing. I'm like a three hundred, two hundred pages into it. I should reread it. All right, we're done. Okay, we're we're still so bad. We're bad, but next week we'll try really hard to get up the hill to be. <laughs> See you guys. See ya. <laughs> Thank you.